0: A very good evening to all. Good evening. Good evening. Well, let's pray for more people. Welcome, welcome. Uh, the Lord has here who He wants to be here. <laughs> Mrs T should come yet. She's always a late comer, isn't she? Uh, <clears throat> I was asking the Lord for uh, opening Bible reading first tonight and uh, the scripture i got was ezekiel 34. um it's quite a hard one against the shepherds but anyhow being a farmer a shepherd has a very important job to do he's got to go and see the sheep before he even gets his own breakfast so let's hear what the lord's saying about The shepherds are supposed to be looking after his flock. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus said the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe ye with the wool. Ye kill them and are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have not been strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up which what was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty Have ye ruled them? And they were scattered, because there is there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field, when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, said the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, neither did my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds fed themselves, and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, and they may not be meat for them. And then verse 11, Thus said the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep, And seek them out, as the shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day, that he is amongst his sheep that are scattered. So will I seek out my sheep, and will deliver them out of all the places in which they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them to their own land, And feed them upon the mountains of Israel, by the rivers, and in all the inhabited places of the country. And I will feed them in a good pasture, and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold, and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel... And I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, said the Lord God, and I will seek that which was lost, and bring again that which was driven away, and I will bind up that which was broken, and will strengthen that which was sick, and I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will feed them with judgment. And as for you, O my flock, thus said the Lord God, behold, I judge between cattle And cattle between the rams and the he-goats. Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten up the good pasture. But ye must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures. And to have drunk of the deep waters. But ye must foul the residue with your feet. And as for my flock, they eat that which ye have trodden with your feet, and they drink which ye have fouled with your feet. Therefore thus said the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle, because ye have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the diseased with your horns till they have been scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey. And I will judge between cattle and cattle, and I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince amongst them. And I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make with them a covenant of peace, and will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness, and sleep in the woods. And I will make them, and the places round about my hill, a blessing, and will cause the shower to come down in his season. There shall be showers of blessings. And the tree of the field shall yield her fruit and the earth shall yield her increase and they shall be safe in their land and shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hand of those who served themselves of them. And they shall no more be a prey to the heathen neither shall the beasts of the land devour them For they shall dwell safely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen any more. Thus shall they know that I, the Lord, their God, am with them. And that they, even the house of Israel, are my people, said the Lord God. And ye, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men. And I am your God, said your Lord God. That was Ezekiel chapter 34. But in that, if you look at that part about the shepherds, Yeah. the shepherds they'll be no longer feeding the flock and it says they'll not even be able to feed themselves I think it's um, the most dangerous job on planet earth is to be a minister priest, elder or deacon who doesn't feed the sheep the sheep must be fed at all times, and the Lord, that scripture, he will hold them responsible. So it's a serious, powerful reading, and go through it yourselves this week, that Ezekiel 34, and every time you read it, you'll pick up a wee bit extra from it, yeah? So a very good evening to all. Evening. We'll hand it over to the men here for our opening hymns, Okay. Oh. <laughs> Whenever it's just a little cup. <laughs> that as a while ago.
1: <clears throat>
0: We're gonna have a solo now from Robert.
2: I'll through
0: it was nice and dry for a change so um, you know it's just <laughs> a wonderful a wonderful privilege to be out and about and to be able to read out the word of God on the street yeah, and the Lord says my word sharper than a two-edged sword yeah and it'll go out, it'll not return to me void, it'll achieve what I send it to do so as them little people's walking past, and that word of God being read out, that seed is going in and dee 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 down in. Yeah? And when the Lord says now it's time to grow, it'll come. One fella he says to me, You're wasting your time talking to this bunch. I said, No, 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 no. The word of God will do what it was sent to do. Yeah. And then I got a good chat with him. And he ended up taking a Bible. So, because, you know, and give him a Bible. And I said, now the writing in red is the actual words of Jesus. Really? Ooh. So, you know, just wonderful. But if you're not out and about, you're not going to meet them people. I'm sorry, you're not going to meet them. That's where the work is out, out, out. So, wonderful. Charles, <coughs> great to have you along again. So, please, Charles, come up and. Share with us what the Lord has put on your heart.
1: Well, it's good to be back uh, with you once again. Um, I have considered carefully um, what to share with you this evening. And as you look around the world in which we live, I think it's very clear that if you know anything to do with the Bible and Bible prophecy, we are living very much in the end times. This is a subject that has been of interest to me since my dad bought me a book when I was 18, and I'll not tell you how many years ago that was, but it was several decades And I always remember reading it, I did it in one sitting, I started at 10 o'clock in the evening and I finished it at 7 o'clock the following morning. And since then it's been a subject of great interest to me. At present on a Tuesday evening I'm doing a series on Zoom through the Book of the Revelation. If you know anyone who might be interested in logging in, I've got some leaflets there with details, we're going through the book bit by bit, and taking from it what the Bible says. And that's the important thing. It's what the, the Bible says that matters. Because very often we hear what men think. But we've got to look at the Bible, and if we believe the Bible is the word of God, as I do, then we have to listen to his, his word. And so as I've been thinking of, of this, Um, for this evening I want to talk about two things I want to talk about firstly something that will affect (coughs) believers and then I want to finish by talking about something else that's extremely serious that refers to those who do not believe There is the misconception that this world will just end in one day, everything will be over and done with, and then we'll move into eternity. The Bible doesn't say that. There's a particular sequence of events that will unfold as the end draws near. And I wanted to speak about judgments tonight. There's four separate judgments mentioned in the Bible. Not one, four. I'm not going to spend much time in two of them, but I want to spend a fair amount of time on the other two. And the Bible says in in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5 from verse 9, Therefore... We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now these words were written to believers. And then over to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 from verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before God and the books were open, and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their deeds by the things which were written in the books the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. These words are addressed to those who have died through time without knowing Christ as their Saviour. But we'll come to that later. The next event in the Scroll of Time, according to the Word of God, is an event that is spoken of by the Apostle Paul in several different places in the New Testament. And that is the coming of the Lord Jesus, to receive his own to himself. The church, the bride of Christ, looks forward to a day where we are told that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Lord said in John 14 that he would go and prepare a place for us. And if he went and prepared a place for us, he would come again and receive us unto himself so that where he was, we may be also. And as Christians, and I addressed, first of all, Christians, we look forward to one thing only. And that is the moment that the Lord comes to the clouds and calls his church, his bride, into his immediate presence. That's our blessed hope that is referred to as the parousia, the rapture of the church. Now once we are in heaven, as Christians, we face something that is really quite important. And that is the judgment seat of Christ. Every single believer on that day Will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will give an account of how they have lived and how they have served. Now, let me emphasize this takes place in heaven and it is for believers only. There are sadly far, far too many Christians around today who seem to think that once they have got their ticket to heaven, they can live their life as they please. That everything will be all right. I know where I'm going. My eternity is secure. Now, well, let's just live as we like. That's not taught in Scripture. The Bible says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are God's workmanship, listen to this, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are saved Not then to lie in our spiritual sun loungers, but we are saved to serve. Every single believer has been given a gift by God that they can use for God's glory. Every single one. No one exempt. There's no retirement in the service of the Lord. Now, there are varied gifts. There are the ones that come immediately to our attention like that of a pastor or an evangelist or a deacon or an elder. All of these are important. But there's also other gifts, gifts that are more practical. There are people who are very good at at, at caring for the needy, supporting fellow believers who are in a difficult situation, and there is not one single believer that is more important than another. Every single person, before God, as a Christian, we are all equal. I remember when I became a Christian way back in 1980. It was at a Louis Palau Crusade in Motherwell, and I was a member. One of the youth nights, there was Dave Pope, if you've been a a Christian for any length of time, that name will ring a bell, gospel singer. And one of the youth nights, we were singing a song, We're All One. It was great. And indeed we are. But we're all called to serve. Satan will do everything possible to blunt our service. He will cause us to be discouraged. He will cause us to give up. He will tell us we're fools. He will say, what are you wasting your time for? Why don't you just jog along till you get to heaven? If he can't stop us from getting saved, he'll do his best to stop us from serving. And far, far too many people fall for that. We're told in 1 Corinthians 3 that every person's work will be made manifest. Nothing hidden. Not a single thought, word, deed missed. God will see it all. The thing about the judgment seat of Christ is that what is judged there is not our sin. Because if we are Christians, in the true sense of the word, if we are born again, the moment we trust Christ as our saviour, our sins, past, present, future, are dealt with. We are forgiven. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So that when God the Father looks on us, he doesn't see the fact that we made a mess of it in this past week. He sees the righteousness of his Son. And we are accepted because of Christ. So it's not our sins that will be judged. It's our works and our service. And we are saved to serve. Now, as Christians, we... Having been given a gift, we can choose to use it for God's glory, or we can choose to misuse it. There are, sadly, too many individuals whose responsibility is to preach and teach the Word of God who are not doing it. They are accepting lifestyles, etc. that fly in the face of God and his commandments. Why they're doing it? Well, who knows? Probably for the praise and acceptance of fellow men. But the one thing we need to remember, everything that we do, we will be called to account in a coming day. And so as we would seek to to live our lives as we would seek to serve the Lord Jesus we must make sure that we don't do it for our own glory. We don't do it to get the praise of men but that we serve because we love Jesus. If there's any other way of looking at things other than the fact we serve for the glory of God we've got it wrong we're called and we're also told that when we have faced this judgment seat of Christ and we will all be there individually there will be rewards for those who have been faithful. The Bible speaks of several different crowns that will be given to those who have served with a faithful heart. There's a crown of righteousness. Well, you might be thinking, what's that all about? Well, it's about living a righteous life in a very corrupt and sinful world, we are declared righteous by our faith in Christ, but then we are expected to live a righteous life. Making the right choices, for example. Now, let me give you an illustration from my own experience of life, and I don't do this to get any brownie points. I remember. Several years ago now we were on holiday with our two kids when they were younger and we used to always go to this pizza restaurant. We knew the folks well uh, and we would go there maybe two or three times when we were on holiday. And there was one evening we got back to the car and I said to my wife I don't think we've been charged by for everything that we had. Now we were out the restaurant The owner had no idea that this had happened and we faced a choice. We either went in and pointed out the shortfall or we drove away thinking, well, we've had something for nothing. The righteous choice would be to go back in, which we did. And the chap said to us, well, nobody's ever done this before, so just accept what you weren't charged for on us. Very simple illustration of a right choice. Doing what God would expect us to do as his children. But then there's a the crown of victory. A crown of victory is given to those who deny themselves of the, the easy things in life. In order to serve God. And sometimes God comes into the lives of individuals and He takes away a lot of this this kind of comfort things that they rely on and they go out on a limb to serve Him. We think of those in past generations who have gone into distant countries. To serve God. We were brought up very near to the David Livingston Memorial in Blantyre. And we used to go every school holiday. And there was a man who gave up all the the easy things in life to crisscross Africa with the gospel. Then there's a crown of life for those who suffer for the sake of Christ. Now, in our land, we know nothing of that. I had the privilege in the past of going to Ukraine and Romania and speaking with believers there who suffered the most incredible things, just brutality. Those who suffer persecution even martyrdom for the service of Christ, they will receive the crown of life. Crown of rejoicing for those who preach the gospel, not just in churches, but on the street, one-to-one. Those who serve in that capacity faithfully for the glory of the Lord will receive the crown of life. Crown of glory for those who teach the word of God. Children, online, on the radio, one-to-one. So if we serve faithfully, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, there will be a reward. The one thing that we need to remember is the Christian life is not a sprint. It's a long-distance race. Not that you would know it now, but I used to run half marathons and marathons on a regular basis. Uh, My body is telling me now that it was a stupid thing to do. But when you started a a race that was over 26 miles long, you didn't go flying off at breakneck speed. You paced yourself so that you finished the race. Now there's another important thing concerning our service, that in the future millennial reign of Christ, where he will reign literally on planet Earth from Jerusalem, a reign of righteousness, during that reign, believers who have been faithful will help, in his position of reigning, and the amount of responsibility that we are given then will be in a direct well, it will be according to our faithfulness in the here and now. The parable of the talents: one man given five and earned five more. Another given two and earned two more. One who was given one talent did nothing with it. It was taken from him. If we are faithful in the here and now, we will be given greater responsibility to reign and rule with Christ during the millennium. I trust you believe in a literal millennium because there are certain people now who would tell us, well, it's not going to happen. Oh, yes, it will. Yeah, it's taught in the Bible. 1,000 years where the Lord will rule and reign. There's a verse that is often quoted in the Gospel, which is equally important for believers, and that is we shall reap what we sow. Whatever we sow in the here and now, we'll reap. You know, if someone plants a daffodil bulb, they would be very foolish to think, well, a tulip will grow. We'll reap what we sow. And so we have to examine our lives on a daily basis. Now remember, I'm still speaking to Christians here. We'll move on in a moment or two. Am I proud, self-centered, untrustworthy, disrespectful, foul-tongued, two-faced, a thief, a liar? If we are such we would be very foolish to believe that we will be rewarded in a coming day. Scripture says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labour for him is not in vain. There are many people who serve the Lord, and their work and their ministry is all but invisible to others, and yet they serve every day as if it's their last. If we're looking for the praise of men we've got it entirely wrong. So we have to examine our hearts and I would suggest that on a daily basis before you shut your eyes at night if you claim to be a Christian do a bit of a stock check of how your day has been. When you reach out to serve the Lord, ask yourself, what's my motive for doing so? Am I trying to build my name? My ministry? Or am I pointing others to Jesus? You don't need a degree in theology to work out which is the right option. We never know when our journey on earth will be over. We never know. And so we have to live every single moment of every single day imagining that it might be our last and making it count for Jesus. The judgment seat of Christ. Important that we understand what it's all about. There's two other judgments where I'm not going to look at this evening. There's the judgment of the living nations and the judgment of Israel. Both important in their place, but I want to go on to one that is, I believe, more important than any of them. And that is the judgment of the great white throne. This Judgment will be God's final act before all things become new. So we will have had the rapture, we will have had the seven year tribulation, we will have had the millennium. There's a final rebellion that is destroyed by the Lord and then There is the judgment of the unsaved dead of all the ages. Scripture says it's appointed for men to die once. But after death, judgment. You see, the Buddhists will tell you that when you die, you'll be reincarnated into something or someone else. The atheist says, well, you just cease to exist. The agnostic's not quite sure. The humanist. It's very interesting. I have had the misfortune to attend too many humanist funerals than I would like. And apparently they don't believe in anything but There's always that wee bit at the end. I mean, one of the most ridiculous things I heard was that the person who had recently departed would be at the Rainbow Bridge waiting for their dogs. Really? Enid Blighton? There's no debating, there's no misunderstanding. The Bible says after death, judgment. They're told in Scripture that the sea will give up, it's dead. The earth will give up, it's dead. And people say how can that happen? There'll be most folks who have died all these years ago there'll be barely a molecule left. Well God made them from dust in the first place. He can do that all over again without a problem. They will be raised, they will be given bodies that will last forever but they will be subject to pain and suffering for all eternity. I would love to tell you that that wasn't so but I can't because just as the Bible speaks of a heaven it also speaks of a hell. And there is no way round that. People can choose not to believe it. That doesn't mean it won't happen. People might say, well, I'll never be there. I'm a good person. Well, they can think that if they like. But unless they know Christ, they'll be there. The Bible tells us there is no creature hidden from his sight. Jesus said, There is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be made known. I tell you something, I would not want to be an unsaved person knowing that one day I would stand face to face with a holy God. God has been keeping a record. Every thought, every motive, every sin will be brought into the light of his judgment. Now imagine this. Each unsaved sinner will stand before the most holy being. The most perfect being. The most righteous being. And I would think by the time they get there, it might have clicked that they have got it wrong. You see, the day and the age that we live in now is called the dispensation of grace. What's grace? It's God's undeserved favour towards the sinner who repents. But there will come a time when this age of grace the curtains will shut and it will be over. And by then, it is too late. Scripture says a righteous and a just God that every transgression and every disobedience will receive a just reward. God will not get it wrong. No one will be able to say to him, you've made a mistake, because he is all-knowing, he is all-powerful, he is everywhere at the same time. Nothing passes him by. Cast your minds back to the Old Testament and the cities where God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. They were given the opportunity to repent, but they did not, and God destroyed them. How like our day and generation. Who needs God? Oh, you're old-fashioned. The world's moved on. We are more intelligent now. We don't need to know that, really. Of course they need to know it. Because judgment will fall One day. The God that we deal with is not some sentimental old grandfather. My late father was very strict. We were hardly allowed to breathe. But as a grandparent, well, oh, it's okay. Just just leave them. God is not like that. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. And if it has never been confessed, it's never been forgiven. And those who stand before that great white throne, their sin will seem an ugly mess as they stand before a holy God. I remember some time ago doing a Bible study for teenagers and one young lad said to me, he says, why is the great white throne white? Well, to a certain degree, some colours and numbers have some meaning within Scripture, and white always speaks of the righteousness and the holiness of God. And what a contrast that will be. You see, wages earned must be paid out. God isn't going to change his mind and say, well, you know, maybe I'm too hard on them. I'll just let them in anyway. No, not in the slightest. And the sad reality is that tomorrow morning, in churches all over our land, there will be people who will sit there, they'll sing hymns, they'll listen to prayers, they'll listen to sermons, they'll go home, and they'll remain lost in their sin. Because they refuse to accept God's evaluation of them, and that is all of sin. And fallen short of the glory of God. Now. What happens. When folks stand before the great white throne. Well we are told that the books. Will be opened. The book of life. Will be opened. Anyone. Who rejects the source of life, Jesus Christ, will face what is called the second death, eternal separation from God and all that is good. Now, there are some scholars who would say that when each human being is born, their name is entered into the book of life and their name remains there for as long as they live and upon death if that person has never repented of their sin their name is removed. Their name is blotted out of that book. But then, I believe that another of the books that will be opened is the book of the law. I don't know, many times I've been told by people that they can keep the Ten Commandments. I try to do this, I try to do that. I don't do this, I don't do that. That's irrelevant. If you don't trust Christ as your saviour, That's all that matters. And to those who would say, I keep some of the commandments, God will say no. Because the Ten Commandments were given to really act as a mirror, to show men and women what they were really like. Revelation 20 verse 13 says that every man was judged according to their works. You see, that's all they have. They have no faith because they neglected the gospel. So they're judged according to their works. Where does the individual go from there. Once that judgment is done, where do they go? Well, the second death. That doesn't speak of annihilation. There are people who say that when we die, even pe- religious people, some would say, well, even as sinners, sinners, People die and they just cease to exist, or they don't. Because God has warned us that there is a hell to shun. Now, immediately, I always find when I speak about hell, people say, Oh, surely a God of love would never send anyone to a lost eternity a very dangerous gamble to take and I'm going to say something and please listen very carefully because I don't wish to be accused of heresy. There is a sense in which the Lord condemns no one to hell people choose to go there by themselves because they refuse the way of salvation. If I break the law of the land, I don't expect a judge to pat me on the head and say it's okay. If we break the law of God, we would be very foolish to believe that somehow, for some strange reason, God might just change his mind because it's me. And I would do a great It would be in grave error for me not to warn. There is a heaven, yes, but there is equally a hell, a place of eternal punishment. Not a Sunday school picnic, a place of eternal punishment, and each will be punished exactly as their life demanded. The prophet Daniel spoke about this and he said these words and and no matter when I read them or hear them read they send a shiver up my spine. Daniel said I kept looking until the thrones were set and the ancient of days took his seat his vesture was like snow the hair on his head like pure wool And his throne was ablaze with flames. And thousands upon thousands were attending him. And myriads were standing before him. And the books were opened. On that day, All in shock and horror, sinful men and women will come face to face with the irrefutable evidence and they will hear the verdict and they will cry, but Lord, we prophesied in your name, we, we looked after the poor in your name, we did charity, and if you want to bring it up to date, you can say we went to church, we served in the church. But for all who stand before that throne, the response will be universal. God will say, depart from me, I never knew you. In essence, depart from me, you spurned my forgiveness and grace. I don't know many of you, and so I have to ask the question which of those thrones will you be? Which one will you be attending? What makes the difference? Religion? No. I make it very clear to people I am not a religious person. Not by any stretch of the imagination. I make it very clear that I'm a born again Christian which is something totally different. I helped out for a few months with a youth work that started in Kelty. The evangelical church there at I've helped them out through the years, and they started from scratch a youth work. Remarkable what's happened. They can have thirty teenagers on a Sunday night, uh, a Friday night. One of the, ni- the nights I was there, I gave an epilogue, and there was a, a young girl there. She'd be fourteen, fifteen. And when I finished, she decided she'd like an argument. So I thought, right. We'll let you have your say. And all we got was my grandparents have told me this. My grandparents have told me that. My grandparents have told me something else. And because they go to church, they're saved. And she was rather upset when I said, well, your grandparents, according to the Bible, are wrong. She went off in a huff. But I found out just a few weeks ago that she has since come to trust the Lord as her Saviour. And she may well end up in a different place than her grandparents. Let me finish with this story. There was a, a respected barrister who frequently attended the courts in Glasgow he represented on many occasions a young chap by the name of Michael Michael was one of these petty criminals nothing major and usually when he was let off from all the things he was charged with it was down to technicality more than anything else And again, another one of his court appearances, the barrister said to him, you know, Michael, he said, I might not have the opportunity to represent you again because I'm due for promotion. And he says, if I'm promoted, then I can't represent you and you'll face the consequences of your actions. Well the barrister was promoted he became a judge and the first month of his new position was really quite uneventful but come the second month he came face to face with Michael. The case was heard judgment was prescribed and Michael went to prison. Listen, God's judgment of the unsaved is one day going to be a reality. And sadly, there will be untold myriads who, having spurned the gospel and thought it was a load of nonsense and for weak people and for weird people, having spurned the gospel, will find themselves in a lost eternity. And there is no such thing as purgatory. When you're there, you're there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're a God of love. You're a God who loves to show mercy. But you're also a just and righteous God. God. And you cannot change who you are to suit us. We ask, oh God, that even later on this evening when we are on our own in the comfort of our our own homes that you would help us to think through the two judgments that we've looked at and that you would enable us to apply which one is relevant for us. If we are believers, that you would enable us to live a life that brings glory to your name, which is far more important than any reward we may receive. And should we not know Christ as Saviour, help us to listen to the wonderful message that you so loved this world, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Help us not to spurn once more the great message of your love, but to respond to it and to receive the precious Lord Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Saviour. We thank you for your interest and concern for us. And if we know you, help us to be faithful, lest we be ashamed at the return of our Saviour. We ask it in his name. Amen.
0: Uh, Thanks, George. You know, um, yeah, why Jesus is in the heavens is so easy to get right with the Lord. But on his return, There were only five wise virgins went with the bridegroom. The other five, the door was closed in their face. And then they're knocking at the door. Lord, Lord, let us in. Did we not do this in your name? Did we not do that? Did I not play the organ? Did I not sing a solo? Did I not lift the collection? Did I not do the garden? Did I not do this? Did I not? Get away from me, I never knew you. That's how serious it is, okay? It is serious <clears throat> and the parable about the tongues that George talked about. You want to be aiming for that one with the, uh, you know, there's two parables, there's one in the ten tons, the five tons and the two, and then there's all the one in the five and the uh, is it the five, the three, and the one? Is it the five, two, and the one? Five, two, and the one, I think. Anyhow, the master was away for a long time. You've got to put that to work. Yes, you've got to put it to work. How am I going to put it to work? Well, there's a table of tax at the front door. Yeah, they're free. You just load yourself up with them. And you have them, so whenever you meet the postman, the milkman, the breadman, or whoever, you introduce them to the wee gospel track. There's a wee gospel leaflet for you. I know I'm all right. Don't take that at all. She says, you listen. Please take it. Read it. Then decide. Scripture talks about the, the wedding banquet. And the Lord tells them, go and tell them. So he went, they went to the farmer. Oh, I have just bought a, a new field. I'm away to see my field. Yeah. You know what we're like. The next one, I've just bought a new team of oxen. I'm away to try them out in the plough. They went to the next one. I've just got married. I'm away with my bride. Yeah. How he couldn't bring the bride with him, I don't know. But anyhow, the Lord says go into the highway and byways and tell whoever to come and compel them to come. Boys, that's a strong word, compel. That's if I get you by the collar, I'll drag you by the hair of your head. That's what compel is. That's how serious it is. <clears throat> you know, we had a... Wonderful hymn, the second hymn. I don't even know what the main... I know what always our first one is, this restore, O oh Lord. But the second one, that I leave it up to the men. And what a wonderful one, there, like that old one about the power and the blood. And there I was sitting, I was thinking about things, about getting into that river flow of the blood of the Lamb is where you get the cleansing from. You see, I come in from work, and um, oh, I'd be all sort of colours, yeah? And <clears throat> if I stand beside the bar of soap, well, nothing's going to happen. But if I get the bar of soap, and I start to apply it, oh yes, a bit of dirt will come off. It's the same with our Lord. He says repent of sins. Right, we'll do that. Nothing but the blood of Jesus will take away my sin, will wash me clean. What we sang tonight. But then, now we ask to get the blood applied. Oh, now there's something happening within. Didn't happen before, but it's happening now. Now you're talking. Now you're you're getting taught what Nicodemus got taught in John chapter 3. If you're not born again by my spirit, you'll not be in the kingdom of heaven. I'm telling you folks, that's how serious it is. You've got to be born again by the spirit of the Lord. There's no point in kidding yourself on about, I did this and I did that. Do whatever you want, but if you're not washed clean by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be there. (laughs) It's just amazing. How the Lord gives it all to us free, the free gift of salvation. And Satan has this awful way of blinding the people and deafening the people that they hold back. They're thinking, oh, I wonder what my friends will say. And this is what happens. You need to become a wise virgin. Oil in the lamp, fully primed. Yeah, gospel tracks in your pocket. Yes, going out for two. That highest level that you can get. Folks, you don't know what you're missing. Not being on the streets of Leaven or St Andrews or Cooper. I'm telling you, I really enjoy it. Yes, it's hard, but the front line is the best place to be. What's the point of me sitting church pew feller, yeah? And not speaking to the person beside me whenever I go to a funeral, yeah? I'll get in amongst them and I'll be speaking to the one on my left about the gospel before the service starts. I'll be speaking to the one on my right before the gospel before the, the service starts. And I'll be and I'll be giving them tracts. And outside the door, I'll be handing the tracts in the car park. And they may say awful things to me, but that doesn't matter. Yeah, I must do the job. <clears throat> I remember being at a funeral. Yeah, and um, this minister was—we got Ezekiel thirty-four the night now, and The Lord's serious but that. There. I'm telling us, there's a dangerous job is to be minister, priest, elder, deacon, and not doing the work of the Lord. But anyhow, I was at this funeral, and the minister there present was in all these big purple robes and then of this all big robe on down in here, yeah, and it was at the crematorium and there, um, uh, there was uh, the word of the Lord read out about in my father's house are many mansions, yeah, so they're all sitting thinking, oh, I'm going, I'm going, you know, got all these mansions waiting for me, yeah. That minister never told them about the need of repenting of anything we've ever done wrong and getting washed by the blood of our Lord Jesus. <clears throat> they did a tribute to that man and one of the grandsons got up and was saying, about, my granddad taught me uh, how to fish and my granddad taught me how to shoot, my granddad taught me how to drink whiskey. Yeah, and all, and the, the laughing and the goings on and what have you and the minister was sitting, chuffling it all up
2: <laughs>
0: yeah and there I am, thinking come on, this is not on, you see so then I'm outside and I'm giving out all these CDs and the gospel tracks and the car park yeah? and I said, Lord, I'm out of here I'm gone, work's finished now well, I said, Lord, if you want me to speak to that minister, you better put him down that path right now, because two seconds, I'm gone. Just as that, there he comes strutting down the path, yeah? Well, <laughs> I knew the Lord meant business, so I. he's putting you know, all these big robes going into the boot of the car, and his wife's with it. I says, um, there's a wee gospel CD for you. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I says why did you not tell them men the day? They need to be saved. And he started to look at me. I said, you had a responsibility today to tell them men that they need to be saved. Yeah? And I said, them men is going to hell because you didn't tell them. Yeah? Well, he got packed up and into that cho- and I'm still at him. I says, you are the Ezekiel 34. Yeah? And off he went out of the thing. Because the the Lord, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want me to speak to them, put them down that path right now. And bang, that's what happened. <clears throat> we have got a serious, serious job to do. Yeah? The Lord's telling you in Ezekiel 34, the shepherds isn't doing it. Not all the shepherds. Some, there's some very good shepherds. But I tell you what, there's not that many of them. It's not that many. <clears throat> so, whenever we receive the gospel and get saved, then we have this to take on board, to put the talents to work. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let them have it. Doesn't matter who they are, lorry driver, whoever comes in around the place at all, let them have it. Because after you, There might not be no more. And the Lord says, his blood I will require at your hands if you didn't share. And that's a dangerous place to be. Anyhow, the front line. Get off the front line. It's good, it's good, good. I don't know where you are We are walk with the Lord. But do not leave this place not unless you have been washed, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I couldn't emphasize it enough because you could walk from this place and the Lord could just call time and that's it and my brother he spoke what's in front of those who's not saved so take it really seriously you know time is short we are on the 11th hour the world is spinning out of control. You can see it all around you. All around you you can see it. You've got wars going on different places. And wars could start in different places. The world is full of people who would like to rise up to power. And we've also got... A group of people in our country that would rise up against us very quickly. We're from Northern Ireland. We know terrorists is terrorists. We had the IRA, we had the UVF, we had the UDA, we had the UFF, yeah? We had them all, yeah? I have nothing to do with any of them. A terrorist is a terrorist. Oh, oh no he's not a terrorist oh, well, it could be your terrorist but he's our freedom fighters. no a terrorist is a terrorist, end of story yeah if you want to help your country well, then join the army or join the police service but do not join any of them things Okay. but how the IRA and all these ones worked was they put the weapons into place first before the men and women moved in So the like of the Brighton bombings and all the different things. All this stuff was moved in first. Then the ones are moved in, told, find a job, blend in, settle in, keep your ear to the ground. Whenever you're called, you're called. And that's what we have coming over in little boats. We have got all young fighters getting into place, okay? Wake up, smell the coffee, what's going on. They are told they must take over London. If they take over London, they've taken the world. And that's what the time we're living in. And because we are a sinful nation and got away from God, God said, I'll bring the enemy upon you like a flood. Read it in Scripture. We need to get back to God as a nation. And we need people, prayer warriors, praying for Scotland. Praying for the United Kingdom. We are in perilous times. We are on the 11th hour. And if we would only get back to God, the wrath of the Lord will stay off the land. But if not, the wrath can come. And come in all shape and forms and description. The Lord says, I'll shake the heavens and earth. And everything that could be shaken in that will be shaken in that. Whether it's financial, financially, health, or everything else would be done. Gospel is the wondrous, loveliest story ever told. Yes, yes, the first part of it is hard for the people to accept. Oh, must I repent of sins? Yes, we've got to repent of sins. Yeah? But you know, that's it. I was a hell deserving sinner but soon as I realized that and repented and then got washed with the blood of the lamb I look forward now to the day i die absent from the body present with the lord yeah we'll hand you over here to our music team here to finish us off tonight uh, please there's gospel stuff at the door don't forget about that um Charles has brought along little Bugles. what's the name of me Bugles? Yeah. <laughs> They're on the thing Please help yourselves to them. And stay for tea and coffee if you can, all right? Open them in. <laughs> Campbell the other day, I was in the Lando room, I put him on and you know you want to hear that man talking about revival about the spirit of the Lord yeah, when it came upon them, yeah and they go out from the church at whatever time at night, half ten or eleven at night, and there's a crowd coming towards the church hundreds of them yeah and who told you to come? The Lord met them where they were, in their homes, in the fields, and out they came under heavy conviction. And they had to open the doors of the church and let them in. And it went on to the early hours of the morning. And other people so under such conviction of sin they went to the local police station because that policeman was a great believer in the Lord and the crowds gathered outside the police station such was a conviction that's what we need the Lord to do again for Scotland, for your homeland yeah Scotland means a lot down there now this is the land where we got saved in Amen and We need, we need revival in our land. And, you know, I've said it for years, there's something about Fife, there's something about Fife that this is the spot to be, yeah? You know, there's there's prayer intercessors from different parts of England has been told, go and live in faith. Why? There's something happening. That's all I can say. There's something happening. So there you are. Anyhow, we're going to close in prayer. (coughs) Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise for everyone here present tonight. And I ask thee, Lord, by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that you'll cover each and every one of them, Lord. Them and all their families, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Keep them, Lord. Put that hedge of protection around them, Lord, that you did for Job in the Bible. Lord, protect all these families, Lord. Put that hedge of protection around them, Lord, that they may feel the presence of God, Lord, in and around about them. And, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters that's outside. Yes, Lord, the sheep is scattered. Yes, Lord, the wolves have them put over the hills, but Lord, you've given to us in your word that you will bring them. So Lord, bring them in, bring them in from the fields of sin. Lord, we want to see our brothers and sisters saved in the precious name of Jesus. And Lord, for the food that we are about to receive, Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.